This is The Cable. How much retail ownership is in stock? Tech story is front and center. What will this wind up doing to the cost curve? Your connection from the London market close to the US market action. A significant sell-off in European assets. So it feels like a lot of these stocks have already priced that in. This is a stock that is increasingly being shorted. The Cable with Guy Johnson and Alex Steele. Behavioral challenges from the pandemic could linger for years on Bloomberg Radio. Good evening, good evening. You are listening to The Cable. We're live on DAB Digital Radio. I say we. I'm Guy Johnson. I'm alone tonight. Alex Steele is on assignment, uh, hoping she'll be back tomorrow. Uh, in terms of what we've seen today, uh, the first day, obviously, of the third quarter, first day of the second half, and equities uh, bouncing back, bouncing into the, uh, the second half. Uh, the FTSE 100 outperforming. Uh, we've seen travel stocks do relatively well today. We've seen energy stocks in particular really storming ahead. This on the back. Uh, of OPEC delivering, we think now, 400,000 extra barrels a day. Uh, that extra oil arriving from August, there'll be sequential increases of 400,000 barrels a day through to December. The market was looking for around 550. So the market has taken this as being positive. There's not going to be as much oil on the market, as a result of which prices have gone higher. We've seen WTI crude in the United States go through 75 bucks a barrel for the first time since 2018. Uh, we've still got Brent north of 75 bucks a barrel. So that's helped the energy sector out. The travel and leisure sector, as I say, uh, has done very well today. Uh, there are rumours that we could see an imminent announcement coming through from Boris Johnson uh, that uh, fully vaccinated travellers will not have to quarantine on their return. We think from ambulance countries. Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor, is going to be visiting Boris Johnson and Czechos tomorrow. We understand uh, that travel is going to be on the agenda. We're going to hear from Michael O'Leary a little bit later on as well. This on the first day, uh, as we've seen COVID vaccine certificates uh, being launched within the EU to allow travellers uh, to move around there. So we'll get to the details of that a little bit later on. Let's find out what the headlines are right now. Charlie Pellet. Hi, thank you very much indeed. And here's what's going on. Prime Minister Johnson says some, quote, extra precautions could still be required even after the July 19th date he has said will mark the end of the UK's COVID restrictions. Johnson says he is impatient to get back to normal life, but would not rule out keeping regulations or guidance in place on wearing masks in crowded public areas or on people keeping a specified distance apart. Nissan Motors says it will create a billion pound hub for making electric vehicles in Britain, part of the car makers revamp of its UK electric car strategy and a post-Brexit boost for Prime Minister Johnson. Nissan will spend as much as 432 million pounds to buy an all new electric crossover vehicle or to produce an all new electric crossover vehicle at its Sunderland plant in the north of England. Ryanair CEO Michael O'Leary says the carrier could almost double its passenger capacity through the rest of the summer as the European Union reopens for travel. O'Leary telling Bloomberg Television Europe's biggest discount airline expects to attract up to 9 million passengers in July and August compared with 5 million in June and just 1.7 million in May. As Guy mentioned, we will have more of that conversation coming up right here on the cable. And speaking of travel, six decades after she went through training to become one of the first women in space, Wally Funk, that's her name, will get her chance to hit zero gravity. That's after Amazon founder Jeff Bezos invited her as a guest on the first crewed flight of his rocket maker, Blue Origin. The trip on the company's new Shepard spacecraft is scheduled for July 20th. In an Instagram post, Bezos said, quote, no one has waited longer. It's time. Welcome to the crew, Wally. That is the latest from the news desk. Guy Johnson back to you now in London.
Charlie Pellet, great stuff. Thank you very much indeed. As Charlie says, we'll hear from Michael O'Leary, MOL, a little bit later on. Let's talk about what is happening with inflation. Um, the debate continues. We've seen some very strong data today out of the United States. Uh, the prices paid components of the ISM data, the manufacturing ISM data, shooting higher, the highest number, the highest read we've seen since 1979. So right now, there's definitely some price pressure in the system. The real question is, is that going to be temporary? Well, earlier on, the Bank of England governor, Andrew Bailey, basically saying that he thinks that policymakers on the MPC shouldn't overreact. He thinks that we are in a transitory world. We expect this rise in inflation to be a temporary feature of the bounce back. It's important not to overreact to temporarily strong, temporarily strong growth and inflation to ensure that the recovery is not undermined by a premature tightening in monetary conditions. OK, that was the Governor of the Bank of England, Andrew Bailey, talking about this earlier on, um, in, in some ways mirroring what we're hearing from senior management over at the Fed. But as I say, what we're getting at the moment uh, is a huge potentially transitory spike in inflation. You take a look at what happened with the ISM data in the States today, the prices paid components of that index, 92.1, up from 88. And as I say, that's the highest read since 1979. Bloomberg's Vince Signorella joining us now to discuss all of this. Vince, in the near term, we've definitely got an inflation spike. Yeah, and you know, Governor Bailey sounds very much like Arthur Burns, who was the chair of the Fed in the 1970s. Uh, what, me worry? And then all of a sudden, yeah. there was something to worry about. Um, I think one of the real key things about that ISM uh, prices paid number was in the Q&A that followed uh, Fiori, the spokesman. And for some reason, I, I don't know why the mainstream uh, media did not cover this. Um, but he made two really interesting points. One was that there was a tremendous amount of pressure on the participants in that survey to pass prices along to consumers. But they've been holding the line. And what he worries about, or what he mentioned, was while the bottlenecks may be causing temporary price pressures, and those price pressures may decline in coming months, the wage increases that the participants yeah. are having to pay to get people back to work are not going to be transitory. And he's worried, or they, the participants basically were concerned that down the road, will they be able to maintain and not pay, passing on those prices given the wage pressures? And if you get both at the same time and the bottlenecks do not subside as quickly as people think they will, then without question, those prices will have to be passed along. It's yeah, just, once it gets in just perfect sense. Yeah, once it gets embedded into the labour market, it becomes much harder to get out. What is interesting today is that we've seen the furlough scheme starting to be rolled over, rolled off, sorry, in the UK. Now, it's a gradual process. Uh, it's going to work its way through the rest of the summer before it ultimately ends. But there is this expectation. And, and you do wonder whether you're going to see this in the United States as well, as you start to see some of uh, the, the emergency assistance that was, was provided starting to roll off as well across the states. And you, you will start to see... Uh, a pickup in hiring, the pickup in availability of labour. And you saw that a little bit in the claims today, because today's number was the first kind of clean number we got from a number of states that have started to remove that assistance. 
Yeah, and I, I think you make a really good point because I think we are going to see that in the states as well. We've got a tremendously high job opening number. Uh, the jobs are there. They're not being filled. A large part of that, uh, realistically, you have to say, is because of the extra assistance. I mean, the states that have cut back or forbidden um, the people to take the uh, extra financial assistance uh, and cut it off have seen the highest gains in jobs. So it's, you know, it's not really, it's no longer the anecdotal uh, evidence, and you can't make it a political issue. It's fact. And when the states tell their participants, the buck stops here, they go out to work and they make money again. And so that's definitely going to happen in the U.S. in September when all of that assistance rolls off. The interesting thing is going to be to see what happens with uh, three different programs uh, the U.S. has now and how that's going to impact the economy. One is the forbearance on student loans, the forbearance on rents, and the forbearance on mortgage payments. All of those also roll off. So you're going to have the potential, and landlords have already started this uh, of foreclosures. Uh, uh, happening come uh, September, and evictions happening, starting processes in September. And it'll be interesting to see if the government uh, extends any of those programs to try to stem that, and if there's an appetite to even do it, to be honest. Fed, stick around. We need to carry on the conversation, talk more about what is happening in these markets on the first day of the second half. Where does the dollar go in the second half of the year? One of the key questions. We'll talk about that next. This is The Cable. This is Bloomberg. This is The Cable with Guy Johnson and Alex Steele on Bloomberg Radio. Good evening. Welcome back. You're listening to The Cable. Um, We were talking just a moment ago with Vince Signorella about some of the similarities we're seeing in the labour market in the UK and the United States. Another area that we are seeing some similarity is in the housing market. Housing markets on both sides of the Atlantic absolutely booming. We've seen this week uh, the ending of some of the tax benefits here in the UK. Uh, Over in the United States, we continue to see numbers pushing ever higher. Uh, We are starting to see maybe some of the supply bottlenecks limiting the availability of houses. Uh, That certainly is a factor. But prices continue to rise. At the same time, the Fed continues to support the market. It's buying mortgage-backed securities. For how much longer should the Fed be worried that actually it is now blowing bubbles And those bubbles are becoming increasingly visible. Vince has written a nice piece on this today. Vince, give us your take. Well, the the piece you're referring to, and thank you for that, is um, if you go back about at least 10 years or so when the Fed, uh, and a little longer, when the Fed started QE after the financial crisis, and and you can argue, if you like, that they did nothing more by, by... persisting with that uh, aid blew up asset prices. Uh, and um, If you look at the size of the Fed's balance sheet and you compare that with home prices, the Case-Shiller uh, S&P 20 uh, city home prices, the correlation is just spot on. And y- you have to wonder that that, uh, that MBS program, if nothing else, is is propping up and causing the higher housing prices and what will happen to home prices when the Fed eventually pulls back. I mean, they're realistically, given the blistering pace of the gains in house prices, there's really no reason for the Fed to be supporting the mortgage-backed securities market at this time. I mean, it, it makes absolutely no sense. And, and I would definitely argue that they are supporting prices at this point and causing something of a bubble. And when they taper, yeah. that's going to be the first thing they're going to pull back on. How will the market read causes, that? Oh, sorry. How will, How the, market will the market read that? Because I think this is really important because 
you could argue this is a sensible thing to do. The housing market is roaring ahead. Why should the Fed continue to support it? The problem is the market will extrapolate any pullback from the Fed into a broader taper. Yeah, exactly. But I, but I think what you're going to see is exactly that, a knee-jerk reaction to seeing it as a broader taper. Um, the market will pull back both stocks uh, for sure, and we will see risk pull back. We will see yields go higher uh, as the market perceives this as a taper. I think it'll find the calm after that, because I don't think the Fed is going to rush from tapering MBS to tapering Treasury bond purchases, because that would really be very impactful for risk assets and very much cause uh, significant damage to the housing market, the economy, and what have you. So I, I think they'll pull back on the MBS, and they'll they'll pr- try to explain it away as, listen, the market just doesn't need our support anymore. Look at home prices. Initially, the market will react negative to, negatively to that, but I think then it will get its feet back under it and and buy that argument, which is which is true. Um, and then we look to the next step, and then there will be the anxiety as to when the Treasury tapering comes. And it's when the Treasury tapering comes, I think we do see yeah. some of the wheels fall off the risk markets. How do you think the consumer will react? Because I, we saw, we've seen some confidence data this week. The U.S. consumer really super bulled up at the moment. If the housing market starts to roll over, how much longer does that continue for? Well, that, that's actually a key point. Part of the wealth, you know, when you when people talk about you know uh, wealth, when you look at you know the top one percent, uh, majority of that wealth comes from equities. When you talk about the consumer and the average you know retail um, Main Street individual, uh, the, the real measure of wealth for them comes in the value of their home. And as the value of their home potentially goes lower or stops going up, it's likely to, at least in a psychological way, curtail some spending because you're just not going to feel as wealthy as you did before. So you're not going to have the same spending habits. And if the prices actually do come down, which is a very, very real possibility, you know, you have to remember it was 1987, the stock market crashed and that hit the housing market. In the financial crisis of 2008, the housing market took down the stock market. You know, it's so far, who's going yep. to win the next round? <laughs> yeah, I, they are very interconnected, as you suggest. Vince, always a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Really useful conversation. Bloomberg's Vince Signorella.